0: Welcome to this session of Kingdom 101. We've journeyed quite a bit, and as you know, this is the 51st session. Praise God for taking us through all this time, and whether you're here uh, physically or listening in to this recording, we want to welcome you once more. And this evening, our passage is Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. We're going to read the passage first, and then we'll pray and we'll get straight into the teaching for this session. Matthew chapter 6, 16 to 18. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place." And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Scripture. And once again, Lord, we acknowledge that it is life and it is truth, Lord. And so, Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to come upon your Word this evening. Please be with me and with all listening in, Lord, that, Lord, our hearts will be ready to receive and to hear what your Spirit is saying to your church even at this time. And so we thank you, Lord. We praise you. Teach us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've come to a passage in Matthew chapter 6. In fact, we have camped at Matthew chapter 6 for quite a while. And this part here about fasting, it doesn't stick out somewhere, all right? It definitely belongs to a section. And I'm going to rewind a little bit to give you this background so that you have this context. We started quite a while ago with this teaching called secret service, and Jesus was saying the same thing, right? When you give or when you do acts of righteousness, don't make a big show of it, right? Don't have all the big hoo ha's, but make sure it is done in secret. After that, he goes on and he says, Well, when you pray, same thing. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't make a big show. Don't shout loud. Don't utter long prayers. Don't have many words. And in this teaching, when you pray, which we have gone through, Jesus teaches about the different aspects of prayer and how not to pray. But we didn't just do one session. Later on, Jesus taught about the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer, and we sort of took a little bit of a tour, an excursion, through six more sessions, ending last week with thine, not mine. So if you want to know about the disciples' prayer, you have to listen to all the six sessions of how Jesus taught His disciples to pray. So for tonight, our teaching about fasting, called Fasting Frowns, is really the third part in like a three-part series or the third illustration, the third example that Jesus was giving. And really His point was, look, don't, don't have to wayang. Don't, don't put up a big show, all right? We don't need spiritual showmanship. Whether is it giving, or whether is it praying, or whether is it fasting, you don't need all these things. You should do this as quietly as you can. Do it all in secret. These are not to be spiritual showmanship to show your one-upmanship, as it were. You know, It's to be done in secret so that these are not statements of spiritual superiority. Jesus gave these three examples. And so all I believe that you know we have learned in secret service, as well as in the topic when you pray, would be relevant even for this one topic on fasting. But we will go a little bit more deeply in this topic to understand what fasting is. What's the historical background first? So that we can understand the various aspects of fasting, what Jesus says about fasting, and how we should be pursuing this discipline or embarking on this one. So historically, let's look at the Bible. The very first mention, actually, we find in the book of Exodus. And we know this guy, his name is called Moses. It doesn't say he fasted. It just says that he didn't eat for 40 days and for 40 nights. I believe that's called fasting. The very, very first mention, Moses. Now, there are others like him. We know Elijah, 40 days, 40 nights also. Daniel, right, he fasted. Many others. As a nation, Israel also fasted. But after Moses came down, what was stipulated or as a requirement in the law, we see in the Day of Atonement. And recorded in Leviticus chapter 16, verses 29 to 31, this is what it says. This shall be a statute forever for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth of that month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all. Now, you won't find the word, you shall fast. You will find the phrase, you shall afflict your souls, and you will do no work at all. Now, what does that phrase mean? We have a better idea when we look at Isaiah chapter 58, verse 3, where the people, Israel, cried out to God. They had been fasting, and they were sort of a little bit upset, because God was somehow not listening to them. They say in verse 3, why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? You see that? And so fasting and afflicting the soul seems to be a parallel. And in Leviticus, when it's for the day of atonement, now that one day it was instituted for the nation, that you will fast. You will afflict your souls. Along the way, it became a Jewish tradition. In Zechariah chapter 8, verse 18 and 19, We see that God telling them and mentioning the fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth, the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth. He refers to these rather regular fasts. It became a tradition for the people of Israel. Now another example we see in the book of Esther, where you know that Esther called for a national fast, a people fast of three days because they were under threat of being wiped out. God saves them, delivers them, and to mark that occasion called Purim, that festival or that feast, they also would fast just to mark that day and it became a Jewish tradition and I believe they continue even up to today. Now all through to the time of Jesus, we can safely presume that fasting was Regular discipline for the people of Israel. The group called the Pharisees, which we are familiar with, were told that they fasted twice a week, presumably on a Monday and on a Thursday. And so they were very, very regular, very disciplined, twice a week they would fast. Now, looking at this topic of fasting, I suppose we know what fasting is about, right? So, very quickly, let's look at the definition. What is fasting? What should it be and what did it become after a while? Now, very simply, primarily, the most basic fasting is abstinence from food. That's it. Now, today we know we can fast from something else, you know, and we deny ourselves other pleasures, so on. But fasting really, technically, is from food. The most basic, the very first thing that if you have never fasted before, I want to encourage you. Food should be the one thing you would want to fast from. Fasting is also generally associated with grief, with mourning, ashes, sackcloth, okay? And when it's a time where there's lots of sorrow, lots of grief, the people will fast. It could be national, it can be private, personal, not a problem, fasting is part of that. It is also for repentance. When the people sinned against God, a confession of sin, an acknowledgement that they had upset God and they had broken His laws. They would fast as an act of repentance to show that they are serious, that they were sorry. It was also out of anguish and out of desperation, and this can be for different reasons, right? Maybe an enemy was coming up against them. Maybe they needed something, uh, some help, uh, healing, uh, restoration, breakthrough, wisdom. direction, whatever it might be. This is where fasting would then be engaged. And they want to seek help. They want to get protection. You remember the story of um, Ezra bringing the Jews back into the land. They had to travel along a very dangerous journey. So what they did was they fasted and they said, Lord, will you protect us you know, as we move on this journey? So different reasons. Another occasion might have been, if you remember, uh, Jehoshaphat, Right. Enemy is coming against the nation of Israel and he says, look, let's fast. We, we need God's help. He has to come through. He has to tell us what to do. We need wisdom. We need strategy. Now, fasting can also be corporate and what I've shared with you most of the time, corporate, but it can also be personal. You can fast by yourself, one person, or you can fast together as a group, as a people, as a nation. Fasting, as we have already seen, is done because it was required by the law, and so they would obey the law. Maybe it was according to a tradition, because they have already instituted that for many, many years. But we must remember, fasting is also, most of the time, voluntary. Voluntary is not that, oh, you know, just because it's the law, God says it, and so I must fast. That's not the idea. And I want to make this point clear. I want you to be clear about this also. Because many times when people talk about fasting and they sort of don't want to be fasting and saying it's Old Testament, the most favorite excuse will be Old Testament equals law. So fasting is under law. And so because I'm no longer under law, I don't need to fast. See? And that's why I'm making this point so that you will be clear. They fasted as required by the law, but at the same time, they fasted is needed. It's voluntary. No matter what the reason, fasting is to be directed towards God. That's the main thing. That's a key point. No point if you have these needs and God is not involved. The most important thing about fasting is it must be done for God, it must be directed towards God. And I believe this was the issue that Jesus was addressing it should have been directed towards god but for some reason perhaps down the years according to tradition this was not practiced the way it should be god was no longer the center or the object towards which you know the people were fasting for example we read in zechariah chapter 7 verses 2 to 5 they were asking the priests to ask god Should I weep in the fifth month and fast as I've done for so many years? Tradition, many years. Okay, it's like, wow, I'm so good. Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, Say to all the people of the land and to the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months, during those 70 years, did you really fast for me? For me? Now God was really precise, right? The people are saying, look, how come? You know, I, should I keep doing all this in so many years? And God doesn't answer. And God is saying, well, you know how many years? I'll tell you how many, 70 years. But it was not for me. You were doing it just by routine. It was just tradition. You were doing it, but it was not directed towards me. Your heart was in the wrong place. And possibly that was the same problem also with the religious system in the days of Jesus. And so when Jesus came on and in his teaching, he says, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites. Now, they have perfected this as an art, where maybe you want to give a few points off to the people in the Old Testament that as they were fasting, they were trying to do their best, but they didn't know that they had fallen short and sort of missed the entire whole big picture. By the time it came to Jesus' biblical days, it became an art form. They did it as a hypocrite. Now, do you remember the meaning of the word hypocrites? It is a Greek term for someone who is an actor, someone who knows how to act really well. And an actor would wear a mask. And that's what the people were doing. They were fasting, but they were hypocrite. They were put on a sad face, a sad mask, a very sad countenance. They disfigured their faces. And it wasn't for God. Jesus says look this is not for God this is for for men to see (laughs) this is so that people will know that they are fasting they'll look grim they'll look very stern they'll look very gloomy like you know I'm so serious I'm I'm so spiritual and they disfigure their faces they they furrowed brows and they have what I call fasting frowns (laughs) hence the title of this teaching right you know, and, and they were frowning And Everyone knew, oh, they are fasting. Oh, wow, look at them, so holy, so spiritual. Must be really serious guys. Now, if fasting is associated with the morning, then they would also dress in that way and some would go as far as putting ashes on their heads. And so it looks dirty, it, it looks like they're very disheveled, they're messy, they're untidy. Today, you might say that um, you are unshaven, although some look quite good not shaved. But what I mean is that it just looks messy. eh? It looks dirty and and so on. And their idea was they were play-acting. They wanted to look good. They want to look as if they are suffering so much through this. That's what fasting is. And because of that, they are very, very spiritual. So Jesus was really calling their bluff. It's like, come on. This is all play-acting. And if you want someone to notice you, then... If you do this, you've got your rewards. That's your crown. Okay? That's your crown. They'll clap for you. They'll encore. They'll bravo. They'll give you a standing ovation. But you've got your crown. Your frown will be your crown. You've got your reward. Then Jesus goes on. He says, fine. This is how you should be doing it. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting but to your Father who is in the secret place And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. What was Jesus saying? Drop the masks. Let it go. Stop putting on these masks. Forget the fasting crowns. Literally cast those crowns. Okay? Let go of that. Stop looking for attention and don't call any attention to yourself or to your fast. Do it in secret. No one really needs to know anything. Now a side note here. This does not mean that if you and I should be fasting at this point in time, if someone comes to you and says, you know, oh, would you like to have lunch? You cannot say anything, you know. Well, you cannot say, you know, uh, if you say I'm fasting, that means fail already. I don't think Jesus was saying that. You understand? Okay? Huh? I think what Jesus might have meant is, if really someone comes and says, you know, uh, would you like to have lunch with us today? Then just say, no, thank you. I'm fasting. And they will leave you very fast. They'll leave you as you are. But don't go, oh no, I'm fasting. I would love to join you, but you know, really, I'm, 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 oh. I think that's what Jesus meant. Would you agree with me? Right? So it's not that you can't tell people that you are fasting. That's not the point. The point is don't make such a, such a big deal. To the Pharisees, says, "Look, dress normal. Everything is fine. Go about your your day as as if nothing is a problem. Wash your face. Anoint your head. What it means is groom yourself. Groom yourself, all right? You you don't have to look disheveled. You don't have to look dirty. You don't have to put on the actor's costume. Dress normally. Work as normal. And so if you do a nine-to-five job and you're fasting, normal. Unless you're really taking time off for a silent retreat, fine. Then you take leave. But other than that, the day goes on. Business as usual. Don't worry about it. Things will be all right. You don't have to look depressed to impress. That's what Jesus is saying. It's a very, very, very simple teaching. That's it. You back up a few teachings in the secret service, same point. But if you want to draw attention, then you would have received your reward. And then that's where your heart is. That's where the posture is. And that's where you will stay. At this point, let me make another Observation for you. Jesus, if you notice, was not speaking against fasting at all. He wasn't saying, don't fast. Fasting is no good. If you fast, you are a hypocrite. He didn't say that. He was not addressing the issue of fasting. He was addressing the heart when we are fasting. That's why he says, when you fast. He didn't say, if you fast. He's taken it for granted that it is a tradition, the Jews know how to fast, and they would continue to be fasting. And so when you fast, be careful, don't be a hypocrite. This is what you should be doing instead. He addressed the heart of those who fasted. If it's not for God, then it was only to impress yourself or to impress men. Jesus was not speaking against fasting at all. And I think it's important for us to examine a little bit more What fasting is all about and is it relevant for New Testament Christians? Because sadly, it is still debated even up to today. Well, let's look at the Bible first. Is it in the Bible in the New Testament? Firstly, we see in the church at Antioch in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 13, verse 1 to 3. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Neger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. So, let's answer the question. Is it in the New Testament? Is this the church? Definitely yes, right? So, they ministered and what did they do? They fasted. The Holy Spirit then said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul. For the work to which I have called them. Verse 3. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So before selecting, they fasted and prayed. Before sending them out, they fasted and prayed. First example for you. Acts chapter 14, verses 21 to 23. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. 23, so when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So is this in the New Testament? Yes. Did they pray and did they fast? Yes, they did. So did the church in the New Testament fast? Obviously they did. Okay? Okay. Let's go on. In the book of 1 Corinthians, it's recorded that Paul gave instructions to married couples. Verse 5, Do not deprive one another, except with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to prayer and fasting, and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, if you want context, he was talking about the marital relationship. That for the husband, your body belongs to the wife. The wife, your body belongs to the husband. And so, enjoy yourselves. God has given you this gift of sex. Enjoy yourself. But if you are deprived one another from this marital relationship, this physical union, deprive only for a moment, but for good reason, because you are fasting. So Paul gives instructions to the church in Corinth, specifically to married couples, it's okay to fast of course paul himself his apostolic credentials i call it in the book of second corinthians you know the context he was coming against people who were sort of elevating themselves as more eminent apostles more prestigious more spiritual and so on so paul says okay you are my credentials this is my resume second corinthians chapter 6 verses 3 to 10 We give no offense in anything, but that our ministry may not be blamed. And in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God. And he goes on. In much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, and in fastings. The list goes on. Now, it's so upside down, right? Because all these apostles were coming out claiming, oh, you know, we are doing so good things. I've got this huge church, you know, I'm doing so well, you know. I'm this, I'm so this, And I'm, I'm blessed, you know, I'm highly prosperous and so on. And Paul comes out and says, you're an apostle? Then I'm also an apostle. But I got stripes, I got sleeplessness, I got tribulation. I get whacked like don't know how many thousand times. And many times I fast. And this was Paul. The apostle of the apostles, if you understand, right? And so he fasted. Second Corinthians chapter 11, later on, he had to list out again his CV. In verse 27, he, then he says, In weariness and toil, in sleeplessness, often, not just sleeplessness now, huh? often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings, often, in cold and nakedness. So Paul is saying, you want to boast? Okay, lah. Let me boast. This is what I go through for Jesus. So did he fast? Yes, he did. So is fasting mentioned in the New Testament? Yes. Did the church in the New Testament fast? Yes. There's that line or that reason to say that we are today people of grace. We're under the gospel of grace. Does it hold true? No. Because Paul, he himself, he knew his assignment. He was a preacher of the gospel of grace. And Paul himself fasted. So that's the church in the New Testament. Let's go on a little bit more. How about the early church fathers? Right? These were the ones after the time of the New Testament, after the letters were written in the AD onwards. From the didache, which is really the teaching of the 12 apostles collected, between 70 to 140 AD, this is what is recorded. Before the baptism, moreover, the one who baptizes and the one being baptized must fast and any others who can. And you must tell the one being baptized to fast for one or two days beforehand. Your fasts must not be identical with those of the hypocrites. Sound like Jesus, right? So these are collections from the teachings of the apostles. How about the church father, Tertullian? He makes a command, fasting possesses great power. If practiced with the right intention, it makes one a friend of God. Another phrase, he says, Let us fast, brethren and sisters, lest tomorrow perchance we die. Openly let us vindicate our disciplines. Sure, we are that they who are in the flesh cannot please God. Not, of course, those who are in the substance of the flesh, but in the care, the affection, the work, the will of it. Emaciation displaces not us, for it is not by weight that God bestows flesh any more than he does the Spirit by measure. How about St. Basil the Great, 330 AD onwards? Beware of limiting the good of fasting to mere abstinence from meats. Real fasting is alienation from evil. Lose the bands of wickedness. Forgive your neighbor the mischief he has done you. Forgive him his trespasses against you. Do not fast for strife and debate. You do not devour flesh, but you devour your brother. You abstain from wine, but you indulge in outrages. You wait for evening before you take food, but you spend the day in law courts. Very, very harsh words, very direct. In other words, you check your heart. How are you fasting? I mean, if you're really, really fasting and you're doing it correctly, then you you really should be forgiving, you must be loving, you should not be taking people to court, and you must get rid of all evil and wickedness. St. Augustine, fasting cleanses the soul, raises the mind, subjects one's flesh to the spirit, renders the heart contrite and humble, scatters the clouds of concupiscence, quenches the fire of lust, and kindles the true light of chastity, enter again into yourself. I had to look up what that word meant, concupiscence. It just means lusts and desires, usually of the sexual kind. And if you know Augustine's history, he succumbed to many of these lusts. And God, by his grace, brought him into his presence. And then he writes this. So what can we conclude from our little quick survey of the New Testament as well as the early church fathers? Is fasting still relevant for New Testament Christians? I believe so, yes. It is relevant, right? So with that, I suppose, we, good, very good. We say we conclude, but Jesus has the last word. What does Jesus say? Later on in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus will address the topic of fasting once more. And this is because the disciples of John the Baptist came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often? But your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. I think we've heard this teaching quite a few times. Obviously, Jesus was referring to himself as the bridegroom, right? And so the bridegroom was with them. They were friends of the bridegroom. You can't mourn when the bridegroom is with you. That's what he says. So while I'm around, let's feast. So if you want to fast, you can go on fasting, not a problem, but when they're with me, no need. But one day, this this bridegroom will be taken away from them. And then they will fast. Imagine if you are the disciple that day. Uh, when you hear the first phrase, like, yes! And then Jesus says, and then they will fast. Ooh. Very clearly, Jesus is not physically with us at this point in time, right? He has been taken away. We know He's going to come back, but He's not with us yet. He's not back yet. So because the bridegroom is not with us, And you can have a comparison with the parable of the ten virgins, right? Five wise, five foolish, and they were waiting for the bridegroom to come. The the bridegroom is coming back. But until he comes back, this is the time to be fasting. But then Jesus goes on, and he says, No one puts a piece of unstrung cloth on an old garment. For the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put New wine into old wine skins, or else the wine skins break. the wine is spilled, and the wine skins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wine skins, and both are preserved. And I believe Jesus gave this second part of the teaching because he was trying to show them, yes, there will be a fasting, there will be a time that will come for them to be fasting. but they will fast with a difference because it is the ushering in of the Messianic age that would change fasting for them. So when he was comparing about using the garment and as well as the wine and the wineskins, he's really saying, look, you, you can't put old things with new things and new things with old, you know. Uh, it's it's going to be a big problem. So if you enter into this Messianic age together with me and you're going to fast with the old attitude and with the old mindset, it's going it's to mess you up big time it's going to be a big problem. You know the bridegroom has already come. He's been taken away. You know he's ushered in this messianic age. You are looking forward to the culmination, to the consummation of this messianic kingdom. So today when you are fasting, the disciples of Jesus, when you fast, is no longer with a like a, oh no, what's going to happen, you know? We don't know who it is. We don't know what's going to happen. And like, oh man... Today, you're fasting with joy. You're fasting with expectation. You're fasting with hope. That's the big difference. The act of fasting remains the same. But the perspective of fasting changes. We fast not as ones who have no hope. We fast with great expectation because we know that one day the bridegroom is coming and man, you will end the fast of all the fasts and we will have a great feast. And that's what Jesus is saying. Because if you want to be that new wineskin, He's pouring in that new wine. You need that new wine to come in. It's a messianic picture. Don't get poured into it and then we get all ruined as old wineskins. Cannot. We need to be new wineskins to receive this. And I believe that's what Jesus was saying and that's why very possibly Jesus was referring when He told the people, stop moping. Don't put on that long face. Stop stop, Stop griping want to act, also act properly. La. That's already passé. You don't even need to do that anymore. Now you can smile. You can fast, but you can smile. You can rejoice because you know the king is coming back. Same act of fasting, but the perspective changes. So let's, for the rest of this time, look at the aspects and some benefits of fasting. If, we, if we've if all agree that fasting is still relevant. That fasting, for most of the time, is voluntary. It is not something that's done under the law. You get to choose. You get to pick if you want to fast or don't you want to fast. Okay? If, if someone comes to you and says, thou shalt fast, oh, run away quickly. That, that's not the idea, okay? And I'm not saying to you that, that I'm putting you under the law. Is that correct? Yeah. Bear witness on that, okay? Please? No one should be able to tell you that. And no one should do that. It's voluntary, but you know it's still relevant and you know that there are benefits and there are aspects. So let me just quickly run through some of these points and for those who have fasted before, I think you can say amen to many of these things. If you have not fasted before, I want to encourage you. Maybe you need to consider some of these points and I hope that it would help you. Firstly, we talk about godly sorrow. Now, I've already told you it's not so much about mourning, putting on sackcloth and ashes, holding a whip and whipping yourself, you know, to say, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm lousy, I'm not worthy. That's not the idea, right? New Testament, inverted commas, mourning is where Paul says we must have godly sorrow. That, that we are we're upset that we have messed up and we have upset God. is directed towards God. And godly sorrow will help us deal with the sin in our life. We all still sin, some more than others and some more serious than others. But our desire is always to please God and when we sin, we know we have upset Him. It says there in the Bible, very clear. Then Paul reminds us, Godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation. So some of you may be asking, Oh, you mean to repent? I must fast. Every time I sin, I must fast. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, does the sin hurt you enough, how serious are you that you want to deal with this one sin? If it's a very serious sin, how serious are you to say, Lord, I'm very sorry, help me with this? Then get into fasting. Fasting is also an acknowledgement of our reliance on God. We want to rely on God instead of our physical food that gives us physical strength and it sustains us through the day. Anyone who has fasted would agree with me. It doesn't take you very long before you feel cold, Uh, your your hand starts to shake a little bit, right? And if you've been fasting for a couple of days and you've skipped a few meals, walking up the steps or walking a few steps is also a bit difficult, right? Because physically, you are weak. And so many times, we use food to keep us awake and to keep us going. And we don't realize how much we rely on food, carbs, sugars, you know, things like that, just to give us that cake. Some of us love coffee, right? And so coffee is also something, right, to to, to keep us awake. We we need that coffee. Are you willing to say, okay, fine, Lord, for this season, I want to get back to relying on you. I want to re-examine what have I been holding on to. What are my props? Are you the one that I rely on? Am I relying on you spiritually or am I relying on the food physically? Do you realize that even in this time, you don't just fast without doing anything. You fast and you feast on the Word. You fast from food, but you feast on the Word. That's what the Bible is for. That's why we we read the Bible each time we come into a time Of fasting, we feed upon it because His Spirit is truth and it is life. Jesus quotes from that time in Exodus, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Would you allow God to sustain you through His Word and by His Spirit? He helps you to direct your attention and your focus to God. Do you know our minds are usually fixed on something else other than God? And we're not really thinking so much about Him? It's a very noisy world that you and I live in. Everywhere we go, messages coming from an advertising, marketing background, clutter, communication, advertising all over the place. Today, we have internet, we have Facebook, we have shopping, we have noise. Fasting slows you down. Slows you down. If you allow this fasting to have its effect, you can also realize sometimes some of these things lose its attraction you begin to direct your time, your focus, and your attention to God. And so fasting is usually coupled with silence, with solitude. You spend time alone, and you tune things out. Fasting is also a demonstration of truly your desire and seriousness for the things of God. You know, when we sing the song, How I thirst for you, Lord. Lord, I hunger after you. Do you really mean that? Oh, it just sounds nice. And you don't really understand it until you really hunger for Him, you know. Until you really got no food, you know. Then you're like, oh no, God, oh, I need you, you better help me. You have to sustain me. Are you that serious about the things of God? Are you willing to do what is necessary that you can position yourself for the move and the things of God? See, a lot of people, when it comes to fasting, Every time, when it comes to saying, yeah, God, give me this, give me that, I want, very easy to say. But when we say, are you serious? Let's get serious with God. Oh no, not me, I got gastric. I'm not very good with fasting, you know. I can't go, I can't. And we come with all kinds of funny things. How serious are you? Fasting will increase your spiritual sensitivity as your physical reliance is gone. Suddenly, your, your spirit comes alive. You become a little bit more attentive. You, you become sharper. Now, we all know this, right? After you eat, now you fall asleep. The tendency is to fall asleep, right? But when you fast, even though when you're tired sometimes, you, you can't fall asleep because you're, you're alert. And that's your spirit coming alive, and it gets sharper. And you're tapping into a spiritual dimension as well as a power. So if you want to hear from God, guess what? Try fasting. It becomes clearer. You're becoming more focused. How many of you are seeking God for like the next move? Who is praying for something? Or I need wisdom. I need clarity. Try fasting. Spend that time. But usually fasting is not the first thing that we would consider, right? How about faith and obedience? And here I mean, really, do you have faith in God, do you trust Him enough to fast? You say, huh? Why you say like that? True, right? Sometimes we think, must fast, ah? don't want lah. What if I fast and it doesn't work? That's the faith level in that we're saying if we would fast, we don't believe that God will come through. So myself don't fast. Or perhaps we tried before and anyway, when we really struggled with it and we said we tried once, lah. it didn't work. Lah. But will you trust God enough to do it one more time? Will you give things up for Him? Will you obey? Fasting will reveal our weakness very quickly. Very fast, I can tell you. Physically. And last week, in our last lesson, we spoke about the way of weakness. That's true power. And there are times where God will allow us to come to that weakness where we can't hold on to anything anymore except Him. That's called fasting. Fasting. How many of you are willing to be made weak so that you can be strong? See, this is fasting. If you want to know the power of God, this is what you need to do. Consider this. Many times in fasting, our weakness is not physical. Weakness only in our, in the, our muscles, you know, feel as if they can't carry us. I tell you what shows up. Our crankiness. Our crabbiness. Our impatience. Who wants to say Amen. Someone comes and talk to you. Someone irritate you. Ah, you snap the head off, and then if you feel. Of course, I have the right to snap a head off. I'm fasting. <laughs> you better feel sorry for me. You don't realize the weaknesses that, that we have. You know that other things are hiding all these weaknesses. You know, we get angry, we scream, we grumble, we complain. I know, some do well with them without fasting. La. <laughs> but I challenge you. You try fasting. All those things, all the chow kwan come out. <laughs> very, very fast. Fasting can be helpful in the area of breaking bondages, right? So if you are stuck in some of these things, bad habits, bondages, overcoming temptations, that in the first start, you, you're, because you're struggling, right? You're trying to cope. But as you go on, then your spiritual sensitivity Increases, you get into a spiritual dimension, then you realize it's not you working anymore. God is the one that breaks things. And God will help you and God will fight this battle for you. And we have seen and heard many Christians who have testified that through fasting and prayer, they have experienced victory over particular sins and bondages. Fasting will help you improve in your personal discipline and self-control. Nobody will invite you for lunch, but when you fast, everybody invites you for lunch. <laughs> Always like that, man, huh? Tian must like that. <laughs> Are you disciplined enough just to say no, thank you, okay? And really, your, your mind, we just experience this, you know, in our minds, okay, so I'm fasting this, I'm fasting that. Oh, what time can I break fast, huh? You know, if I fast this, after this, five minutes later, can I eat or not? You know, we're thinking of all kinds of loopholes just to get around the fasting. And you're allowing the Holy Spirit to grow you in this area because one of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. You say, Holy Spirit, will you help me? Will you guide me? Will you strengthen me in these areas? And last but not least, fasting has very good side benefits, very good health benefits. And we must be honest, I think quite a few of us in this generation, in this time, can benefit from fasting healthily. For one, we get to lose weight. For another, we get to detox from terrible things that we've been putting into our system and our stomachs. It helps you become more alert, your brain functions better. So many, many side benefits to, to all of these things. You can Google it and I hope that that would also help you be convinced that perhaps you should consider fasting for a moment, for a while. And as we look at all these things from a Christian perspective, can I also remind you that, that fasting is not exclusive to Christians. That there are many other religions and other practices where they also fast. And they also tap into a spiritual realm. Now, if they can do it, and we know that they are not the truth, the way and the life, why don't we? So these are aspects and these are benefits of fasting, but let me end with a few points here. That fasting coupled with prayer results in good works. I'm giving you this point because I don't want you to think that Oh, fasting isn't just for me, you know. It's good for me. It's everything is about me. I break through, I have this, I get my results, and that's not that's not the point. You get to experience some of these things, praise God. But there's a much bigger picture, and I and I suspect this is me only speculating. Why did Jesus choose acts of righteousness, prayer, and fasting as his examples? Why did he choose good works, right? Acts of righteousness and the discipline of prayer and that of fasting to to make a point. But as we look at this, I realize that fasting coupled with prayer actually results in a lifestyle that will be a blessing to others. St. John Chrysostom, another church father said this, do you fast? Prove it by doing good works. If you see someone in need, take pity on them. If you see a friend being honored, don't get jealous of him. For a true fast, you cannot fast only with your mouth. You must fast with your eye, your ear, your feet, your hands, and all parts of your body. It's a whole person thing. It's not just your stomach. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6 and 7. When the people were complaining against God, saying, Oh Lord, we've been fasting, how come you haven't heard us? We've been fasting, how come you never come through for us? And so God, the prophet Isaiah said this. You've been fasting, but you've been fasting wrongly, right? By verse 6, is this not the fast I have chosen? In other words, this is what should be happening when you are fasting. To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover them and not hide yourself from your own flesh? The people of Israel were fasting, but they were fasting legalistically and ritualistically. So they did all the right things, but it didn't come out correctly. And I believe as we close this teaching on fasting, it's not just having a nice happy smile so that we can fast and you know, get our little breakthroughs. That's not it. I think if we look at these three examples that Jesus chose, if we fast coupled with prayer, God will... Work those things with us, in us, through us, so that in and through our lives, we will do the good works that we are supposed to be doing. So my challenge to everyone, if you are still praying for kingdom assignments, why don't you try to fast and pray? Everybody's asking, why don't you lay hands on me and tell me my assignment? What does God want me to do? Fast and pray. Oh no, too difficult. Do you want your assignment or not? Isaiah 58 just listed all those things that need people on assignments. St. John just mentioned that same thing, right? If you're fasting, then look, this is what has got to come out of it. It's not just a spiritual discipline, not not a box that we tick, not something that we do just to get our own stuff and our own things and thank you very much, bye. But fasting brings us really truly into alignment with the things of God and the heartbeat of God. So if you're still praying for your kingdom assignments, why don't you add in that element of fasting? And I challenge you. I believe God will answer. I stand as a living testimony that at every major stage of my ministry life, God has always directed and it has come through a time of prayer and of fasting. How serious are you to want to know your assignment? How desperate are you to move with the things of God? If you are, then I encourage you trust God. Give up the things that are propping you up and see if God does not take you on a beautiful journey. See, this is the lesson this evening. In conclusion, once again, it's not about spiritual showmanship, it's about spiritual stewardship that if you would live according to how Jesus would dictate and also show us and how He would teach, and you do these things with the right posture, and the Word says in secret, your Father in heaven sees your heart and sees your desire, sees your hunger, sees that, that posture that is serious to say, God, give me this. Come on, Lord. I know you can come through for me. And if He sees in secret, He will reward you openly. You don't need men to come and pat you on the back. You don't need men to come and tell you, wow, you fast three days. Wow, ten days. Never drink coffee some more. Sure, they're happy with all that, but God sees the heart. Are you serious with Him and for Him? So really, as we close, let's encourage one another. We can drop the fasting frowns, right? But because our Father will reward us, I believe as we fast and as we pray and receive our assignments and get on these assignments, it's not just the fasting rewards I'm looking for. I'm looking for the crowns of eternity. Where the Bible talks about crown of life, crown of righteousness, crown of glory. That's what I'm looking for. Not the earthly platitudes. So everyone, big smiles, no frowns, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for lessons, Lord, that Always very simple for us to understand. Jesus makes it so straightforward, humorous even at times. But Lord, as we dig into your word more deeply, we begin to see the wisdom that is in there. We begin to understand the context. We begin to see the truth that is there. Lord, forgive us that many times we only look at one item and say, oh, if I do this, okay, then then that's fine. We check that box. And we forget to join the dots, Lord. We don't see the much bigger picture of your kingdom and the assignments that you've prepared for us. So, my prayer for myself and everyone else listening in to this teaching is that we will learn how to fast well, that we will learn how to fast correctly. But not only that, that we will pray well too, and that we will pray with right purpose. And with prayer and fasting coming together, aligning our hearts with yours, Lord, can we not receive our assignments? Then send us forth, Lord, that we will do the acts of righteousness. Whether it's giving, whether it's blessing, whether it's helping, kingdom assignments, we do it well to the glory of your name and of your kingdom. Thank you, Lord. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.